Welcome to the Ramble Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Primus, father, entrepreneur, filmmaker, athlete, hopeful writer, and dedicated wanderer. I'm curious to learn more about how people live their lives, their struggles, and passions, and pains. So every week, with athletes, entrepreneurs, healers, adventurers, and beyond, I'm going to have unbound and uncensored long-form conversations about people, places, pursuits, and performance. Enjoy. Hello, and... Welcome back to the ramble. I well, I haven't done a podcast in a while, and I've been very inconsistent. And so this podcast is part ramble, literally random, part update, and part sort of my traditional format. I am joined for the fourth time now by Jana. Has it been four times? Yeah. Oh yeah. No, there's the fifth. Is it? Oh, at third time, just us. Yes. Five times together. Yes. We we co-interviewed Vanessa. And Angela. And Angela. Angela's the most recent podcast. And uh, well, you know, where should I start? Lots has changed. And I felt like I needed to do an update, uh, but I didn't want to just do an update because that would be boring. <laughs> so here we are. Why don't we just jump right into it? So First and foremost, what's going on with you? (laughs) (laughs) That was a trick. Yeah, you're just pushing it over to me. (laughs) Really, the truth is Jill's afraid to do it alone. And so I'm here as emotional support. Yes, I am terrified. You have found me out. (laughs) I'm terrified of podcasting. Oh, no, you're not. No, 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 I'm not. But I have been inconsistent. And I have been inconsistent because I've been starting a new company. And I, well, it's we did a lot of farmer's markets this summer and I was trying to ensure that I was very focused on the things that I needed to be focused on and podcasting as much as I love it. It is not my income. It is not my bread and butter. And so I had to say no and saying no is a very hard thing for me to do. And a very important thing for me to get better at. I love doing all kinds of things. I love saying yes to all kinds of projects, you know, I, but I was finding myself stretched to the max. And so I needed to say no. I kept writing my blog, but I did almost no podcasts throughout the summer. Now, where does that leave us? I now have this fun little pod series that I did called a pod blog, which is just me reading my blogs. And the reason I did that was twofold. One was that I um, I'd read Naval Ravikant's book, The Almanac of Naval Ravikant, and he's just this fantastic, phenomenal wisdom teacher, uh, philosopher. He's a modern philosopher. He's also an angel investor, and he he's heavy in the tech world. And in his book, he talked a lot about really needing to be your authentic self and use your authentic voice. If you want to separate yourself from the noise of the world. So whatever field it is that you're trying to be successful in, you know, that's going to be competitive. And the way that you are competitive is by doing it in your way, by finding what it is that you're best at and practicing and mastering those skills. But this idea of kind of using your own voice and even putting your name on things, you know, and we're going to talk about this with Jana in a second, because she is studying to be a 
animist, more popularly uh, used term would be shaman. Uh, But if you listen to our podcast with Angela, she'll explain the different uses of the the different words for healers and why animist is is the one that she's using. And, And this kind of closeted, this closeted approach to pursuing your passion versus just publicly declaring what it is that you do. And that there's a lot of power and there's a lot of weight behind that, not being afraid to to put your name on things and do things in, in your way. And so that's why I did these pod blogs was I thought, hey, let me just practice using my own voice in a different way, in a way that I'm not comfortable with. You know, being dyslexic, reading out loud is not my favorite thing to do. I don't mind speaking. <laughs> I find that really funny because when I read your blogs to myself, I actually pronounce different sentence structures I pronounce, I pronounce sentence structures differently than you do when you read it to me. And so when you read it to me, I hear your voice in the way that you intended to mm-hmm. sound, I think. So I actually prefer when you read to me. Read my blogs yeah. to me. And your poems and anything you've yeah. written. Well, that's really interesting. And that's kind of the point of the exercise. Is my, I met my my blog editor for the first time in Calgary over the summer. And she said, you make a lot more sense in person than you do in your blogs, <laughs> which I could have taken offense to, but at the same time, I took it to heart and it's true. It's, it, you know, my blogs, I think I hear them in my head differently than, than they come out on paper. And even after a few rounds of editing, after I went back and read them, I'm like, fuck, these like some of these really suck. But also I think maybe because of the dyslexia as well, you'll have a message that you're trying to say. And when you read it, you'll read the full message as you've had it in your mind. Mm-hmm. But even if it's not on paper, mm-hmm. it will come out the way that you intended it to. So words that you've missed or mm-hmm. things you didn't add, you'll just add in subconsciously. Mm-hmm. But I do it anyway, because I I am a believer in the practice, in the practice of doing the things that you want to do. I admire that about you. Right. It's a hard, it's a hard commitment because it's very easy to distract ourselves. It's very, 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 very easy to not be in the practice. We can come up with a million reasons why. And every time I sit down to write, I come up with a million reasons why I shouldn't write. And, uh, and so I needed to keep at it. I, I, I need my editor to keep kicking my ass with it. I hope to get better. I don't feel like I'm getting better but I need to be consistent in putting it out there, putting things out there in my voice. So if you see these kind of short little podcasts, those are just me reading blogs with a little commentary on either side. And I do plan to get back at this in a more meaningful way uh, with the launch of the company we'll discuss later. But for now, again, it's just an update that that's what's happening with it. I had to say no for a little bit to to focus on other things. And um, we're coming to the other side of that now. Speaking of coming to the side of other things that at some point our daughter who is napping and historically or recently only naps for 30 minutes may, uh, may interrupt this podcast. And And then we will pause maybe or end it and see where we're at. (laughs) All right. So the first thing I want to talk about is uh, dumb phone. So I wrote a blog called dumb phone. Ah, yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, on the blog, I talk about getting rid of the cell phone in favor of a dumb phone. Now, the backstory is 
I say all the time how much I hate having a smartphone that pulls me away from my family, from what I actually want to do. It's a time waster. I mean, I've learned a lot of things from having Instagram or accessibility to YouTube on my phone. And I love listening to music and our family loves listening to music. So that part I'd say was really beneficial because we don't have CD players or tapes anymore. (laughs) And records just don't cut the accessibility that Mm -hmm. Spotify does. But I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. And I keep saying that. And anytime I've done a ceremony, one of the first things that I always get is get rid of it. Get rid of it. And so Joel bought me one for Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. And so Mother's Day, Mother's Day was in May. And it is Great now September. September. And I haven't switched yet. Sitting in the box. And she was so lukewarm. I know. Because, <laughs> because I know that it's a full in. And I'm either full in or full out. And I just didn't feel full in yet. Because... You know, one side of it is Joel's like, yeah, do it, get it, let it go. And then he's like, oh, don't forget to post to Hardy Feather Farm this and tag me in it and do this. And I'm like, ah, I can't do all of it. Well, she can. She just has to do it in a different way. So Yes, but I also don't want it to take more time because the whole point is to create more time outside of Mm -hmm. using my phone. I'm no better. So I thought, okay, I'm getting a little bit frustrated. I'm having a lot of brain fog. I'm feeling... overstimulated with all the news that I'm, you know, digesting and ingesting and it, none of it's making me feel very good. None of it's making me feel very clear, very creative. And so my plan was, well, Jan is not going to use this dumb phone that I bought her (laughs) for Mother's Day. I'll show her what's up and I'll use the dumb phone. And then that also. So there's, well, there's an agenda. (laughs) I have to write an addendum to my blog. So let me, let me explain myself. I, I did bring out the dumb phone. I even went so far as to put my chip in it. Yes. Which is one step further. <laughs> Two steps further. I opened the package. The dumb phone sat on the table for a week. Charging for a week. Charging. <laughs> and for all of like, no, don't know. A dumb phone is, is just, it's not a smartphone. It's not. Uh, so you don't like, have like the apps yeah, on it. You don't it. have all these apps. You There's, can text and call. Yeah. Yep. It's like that OG flip phone. Nokia. <laughs> Nokia. I can't remember what ours are. Ours was a TSL, a TSL or a TLS or something. Anyway, so I write this blog called Dumb Phone. You can read it about, you know, my just how much I, I feel like social media and being on my phone is not serving me. And I want to get away from it. And I couldn't even figure out how to start the phone. Like I started the phone, <laughs> like I turned it on, and then I couldn't get past the first prompt. I'm like, this is not going to work. Usually I think <laughs> in our relationship, usually I figured those things out, but I didn't look. So, so here's, here's the addendum to the blog I wrote as an update. I, there are two phones that I'm looking at as an alternative. Uh, in it, it, one is called the light phone and one is called the boring phone. And both of those are sort of dumbed down smartphones, but they're still within the typical touchscreen hardware that we're used to now. And uh, they they don't have social media and they don't have a bunch of the other apps and prompts that that kind of distract you. So in the meantime, I have taken off all of social media from my phone and my email. And the only thing that's left are my WhatsApp and uh, Spotify in terms of sort of... And maps. Yeah, maps. But I mean, in terms of that communication, that constant communication. And I've gone one step further... I've actually hired a social media company to run my social. 
So I'm no longer going on period. Now I'm not totally uninvolved. You know, the, some of the content comes from them, Mm -hmm. uh, but a lot of it is sent from me. And the idea is that, you know, one, I'm not, I'm just not engaged to, it's not totally inauthentic because you know the content is is coming from me, and it's a test. I don't know how it's going to go. Uh, I hope that the social media is a hundred percent focused on just our businesses. Mm-hmm. So, Naked Revival, which I'll talk about more. There's the there's the uh, slip on what's coming out. <laughs> the films, Raising Global Citizens, Columbia Farm, different things like that. I don't want to post about my life other than how it relates to the projects that I'm working on. And I guess that's smart, but uh, in my mind, I had figured that I would just give up all of it. Yeah. If I chose dumb phone. Yeah. That's the way to go. It's hard. Mm -hmm. It's really, really hard, but it's so funny because everybody I speak to, not everybody, that's not true. That word Adam Bessie, I know you don't care, but number of my friends, my editor, even, they're just like, once you've figured out how to get off your smartphone and social, tell me how, because <laughs> I'm so sick and tired of it. And that's the general sentiment that I find with so many. All of all of my girlfriends yeah. don't like it, apart from one, maybe. But yeah. but it's, it's, I mean, we're stating the obvious here. It's fascinating how addicted we are, you are, in terms of busting you scrolling. Yeah, access. When you say you don't want to scroll. It's true. You know, you know, the only way that I'm scrolling is scrolling my own photos. <laughs> and I don't do that. <laughs> I'm like, what can I learn? Yeah. What is accessible to me? What okay. can I absorb? And and I, I don't feel like I need that anymore. There was a point where I really was grateful for it. And I guess I'm grateful I was, or I, I did use it that way. But now I'm like, my creative tank is not being used. Mm-hmm. There's this great blog I, and Twitter account you should follow called, I, I only get it as an email newsletter. And that's how I get all my news now is via, I've signed up for a bunch of emails that I think speak to the how I want to digest news, trying to be balanced in that news so that I'm not in an, an echo chamber of my own. I don't subscribe <laughs> to news, so beliefs but yeah there's a there's some great ones michael schellenberger's public the free press is great the free the free press is fantastic uh there's a there's a handful of people on substack that i follow uh but my old business partner alex sent me six at six and six the gentleman who runs six at six is a researcher for ryan holiday who wrote ego is the enemy and um the obstacles the way he's a fantastic podcaster he is a um He's a fantastic writer and he's a modern stoic. Anyway, the six at six does these great little kind of six things on a theme that is informational as well as inspirational. And and the the last one he did was called, you know, sort of doing the easy thing, like not making things difficult on yourself. And he gave some examples (laughs) um, of Tom Hanks in Forrest Gump and how originally the the kid was supposed to speak like Tom Hanks spoke so that the kid playing Forrest Gump was supposed to speak as the adult Forrest Gump. And then Tom Hanks just said, well, why don't I just speak like the kid? And that's actually where the Forrest Gump 
southern drawl accent comes from is <laughs> is from Tom Hanks just saying it's probably easier if I just learn how to do what the kid's doing as opposed to the kid learning what I'm doing. And there was another example of Harrison Ford and how he was sick during the filming of Indiana Jones and that famous scene where he ends up shooting the ninja guy who's like, they're about to have this epic fight. And then this guy's like a crazy swordsman ninja. And he just pulls out a gun and shoots them. That was actually because Harrison Ford had food poisoning and didn't like literally couldn't be away from the toilet for like five minutes at a time. So he's like, why don't we just rewrite the scene this way so I could shoot him <laughs> as opposed to have to do this whole fight scene. Well, I've got the, um, I've got the shits. <laughs> And it's the, the spirit, he shared some other business examples. I can't remember them, but the spirit that hit me at that exact right moment in time was, I am launching a company. I am making things way too difficult on myself to try and make this switch, even though I wholeheartedly want to. So let me pare back social um, by, by outsourcing it. Let me take all those things off my phone. And this is a bridge step towards when I can actually get the boring phone uh, when it comes back in stock. And that is literally the name of the phone, the boring phone. It's not that a, a flip phone is boring. This one is called that. And so that's the update on social media for me. So please know that I want to be fully transparent, sending the photos, sometimes writing the captions, but I am not on there doing it. So I'm not going to be transparent. One day <laughs> I'll just disappear and you'll have no idea. That's the way to do it, but <laughs> I'm not there yet. Okay. All right, so a few other brief updates and then maybe getting to, you know, sort of one one or two important thoughts that, that tie into the more traditional format of, of the Ramble podcast um, at the end here. So our film is now out, Raising Global Citizens. Where is it out? It is on the Go Traveler Network. Nice. Uh, that literally just type in Raising Global Citizens uh, go traveler and Google and you will, the, the film will pop up. So anybody can watch it. Anybody can watch it in North America uh -huh. there. Is it a membership? I think so, but you can one-offs. I think you can one-off it. Yeah. Cool. I've not, nobody who's watched the film yet has uh, told me that they had to go through any paywall or geofence to get into it. So it's out there for free. Please do check it out. You know, we worked on that film for 15 years and we had two fantastic uh, pre uh, screenings, I guess, in Vancouver at actual theaters. We did one at the Rio and one at the Dun Dunbar. It was so, so, so much fun. Mm -hmm. The girls really loved it. Yeah. Getting to share it. Well, yeah, I should say it was so, so, so much fun, but I had a bit of the, what's the word, letdown of you know, 15 years and thinking about the moment when this thing would come out for so long and realizing, you know, when it came out that it's kind of fleeting when that happens, even when people like it. It's like Christmas. Like Christmas. Yeah. And really, the, really checking myself on, I know it's cliched is like the destination and the journey is, you know, we all know that expression but I, I often find myself very wrapped up in the destination while on the journey, even if I'm in the practice, as I mentioned at the beginning with the writing, I'm still always just writing to try and get things done. And so this past week or two, 
the last two blogs that I've written, I really, I, I actually sat with them a whole another week before putting them out, which would not be what I normally do. I really get, I get fucking off on ticking off checks, check boxes <laughs> of, you know, or crossing things off my list. And that was a, that was a hard moment. I actually had a bit of depression after for, you know, a week or two, just like, oh, 15 years, couple life savings, trip of a lifetime, but then it felt very over. Um, and like, it felt almost unfulfilling as opposed to how exciting it was making it. And that that's good because I'm not going to stop doing creative projects. So being able to get more into the excitement of making it and less so about the destination of shipping it or getting it out there. I love that for you. <laughs> She's making fun of me. We heard that at a wedding. <laughs> I feel very old that I don't know these catchphrases, but I knew that one. I just don't use it. And so now I use it all the time when Joel comes up with this thing that he's very happy about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we're old. We're all, well, we're at least a lot older than we used to be because now there's a lot of things we don't know. Things, <laughs> things the kids are saying these days <laughs> that we didn't know. And uh, I love that for you is one of them. Whoever came out with that expression. It's like, uh, it's like a passive aggressive way of saying, I think it's cool that you like what you are doing, but I don't care. <laughs> it's very much that. And I don't feel that way. I'm it, actually very proud of Joel that he's following his heart on being in the journey rather than the destination, because I feel like I'm constantly pulling him back. It, I, if we're if we're wrong, let us know. That's just how it felt. We were at a wedding. <laughs> yeah, if anybody of- can... Uh, what's it called? Translate yeah. can translate, translate this this new speak. Yeah, the new generation speak. Like, is it is it meant to like? Is it meant to genuinely mean I love that for you? Like, is it and genuine? Is it genuine or is it a very dismissive? It felt dismissive. Comment like you're a fucking loser, but I'll say something nice. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I think especially because the person who said it didn't know us at all. <laughs> Maybe that's, what, I don't know. Maybe it was like a response that you don't have to think about. Yeah. Anyway, so please do check out the film if you can. And if you're listening to this podcast, if anything, it's really cute to see our girls exploring the world with their family. They're really cute in it. They're really cute. Excited. Yeah. And cute too, but not the same mm. cute as our girls. And you're spicy. Right now? No, in it. In it? Oh, I am spicy <laughs> in it. I offended people. <laughs> Which we're going to talk about. That's kind of the, the crux of the podcast. But the girls, you know, the girls did, they did really enjoy the experience of not so much making the film, but certainly watching it afterwards. <laughs> yeah. that, and that was part of the challenge because we did get some feedback that, hey, why, you know, why weren't the girls in it more? And and I, oh, I've, we've talked about this mm-hmm. before. Yeah. I just was really adamant about making sure that they weren't forced in front of the camera. And so only when they felt inspired or like they wanted to say something or be a part of it, then we made sure to film them. But then by the time we were done, they were like, why aren't I in the film more? I wish I said more. So then we filmed more <laughs> and we got interviews and added it in and it actually made it really bit mm-hmm. really good. Made it a lot better. It did. It, it, and that's an example of the journey of finishing you know, an artistic project, which has kind of been an obsession with 
some of the blogs that I've written recently is just this idea of, you know, work doing the work and, and being okay to go back and redo the work. If the work is shit, like having <laughs> no sunk costs in, well, I spent a year or two or 10 doing this thing. So it is what it is. That may be true. And, and there's, there's power in being able to let something go as it is, but also knowing that it wasn't good enough when we finished it the first time and kind of sucking it up and, and licking the wounds of, of it not being good enough. And, and this is essentially the story was we, we filmed it and we cut this whole 90 minute film and we put it in about 18 film festivals. And I think it only got into a few of them and, and it did end up winning a few things. It's, some you know, very, very indie, like the, like the off, off Broadway version of the <laughs> film festivals. It ended up winning some awards, but then, you know, the general feedback was that the story wasn't very good. The stakes, like the, the visuals were beautiful. The experience is beautiful, but the actual story, the, the, the arc, the narrative arc of the story wasn't great. We needed more of the kids. We yeah. needed higher stakes. And we didn't want to falsify those stakes, obviously. So what we did was during the pandemic, when we moved to a farm and we were grounded from travel, we reshot a whole bunch of scenes here on the farm and told the story sort of retroactively and then put it in a bunch of film festivals and it won more awards. And, and it really, it hit a much better mark. And it was a great lesson in, in, you know, being really proud of the work you're doing and, and being willing to, to wait and suffer <laughs> to get it done to the level that you want to see it done at. And, uh, and not a very good lesson in letting go. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. So the other thing that I want to say is that I have launched a new company, but it's a new company. <laughs> it's confusing. It's very confusing. <laughs> it's called Naked Revival and it is an underwear company. But it's more of a lifestyle brand um, than it is just an underwear company because the the vision is to not just sell premium underwear and undershirts and pajamas, et cetera, but get into supplements, skincare, and even online learning classes. Essentially, all the things that I love and live by. So why, why? Why do you want to do that? Why do I want to do which? Why do you want to revive naked? <laughs> well, I'm not reviving naked as in the old naked, because for those of you who don't know, you know, my background in entrepreneurship and much of my, you know, adult life is, was spent with a company called Naked Underwear. Jana and I met at the very beginning of that. So she lived through all of it, all of it. And it, and it, it became the sort of what would you say? It became the thing that we we both had to crash against to learn how to be better partners with each other, for each other, and better people for ourselves. Because we were so young when it started, and we were so naive, and we didn't know what it meant to be. We didn't know what it meant to have like different interests, and and we we thought both of us thought that the other had to cross the line to become more like the other in order for a relationship to work. So for instance, Jana needed to be, you know, like business more, or I needed to like, you know, what Jana liked more for it to work. And, 
and naked was always at the center of that tension. This, this like completely all consuming business that was pulling, it was destroying me inside. <laughs> it, was, it was so onerous and stressful, but, but in the end it actually taught us how to be better, you know, for each other and, and for ourselves. And it gave us a lot of really cool experiences. It did. It absolutely did. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to belabor it here. You can read all about it. <laughs> getting <laughs> yeah. naked. All these things. Joel is done. I know. I'm not trying to be cheeky though. Uh, it's just the, when it left, it left on hard terms. And it didn't, I didn't, it didn't end the way that I thought it would. You know, the stock had, it was on NASDAQ and the stock had come all the way down to a very low valuation. I had not been pushed out, but the circumstances had changed in, in such a way that there was no place for me there anymore. And it just was kind of devastating because as you know, when something's your baby, you it's like losing a child in a way and when that all comes to an end. And so I suffered for many years after with dep- depression and anxiety, and it took me a long time to get my my footing again. But all through those years, people asked me to start another underwear line because Naked was phenomenal underwear and you couldn't find it anywhere because the company had been dissolved. And I had not, I did not have the gumption (laughs) after all that anxiety and depression. And you're like, no, not again. (laughs) Oh yeah. I mean, the, the, the saying is, and I say it at the end of the book, you know, if you do it all again, you know, you like, oh, sorry, the, the common question is like, if you knew what you knew now, would you do it again? And the answer is yes, but I never actually thought that meant start another underwear line. <laughs> to me, that just meant, yes, I'll continue being an entrepreneur. Yes, I'll continue building businesses. This is what I lived to do. I lived to create things. And that is, you know, my purpose. But the underwear piece was like not a fucking chance. But over time, people asking. And then some needed sort of changes in the cultural zeitgeist and and my feeling that not only was there what's called white space opportunity. So white space opportunity for those that don't know is like where there is opportunity to do business where it's not crowded with competition and it, it creates a little more ease of operation. It creates. Do you think that's the underwear world right now? It's the underwear world that I'm planning to play in. So okay. You know, another way of looking at this is is what they call the blue ocean versus the red ocean, right? So the blue ocean is where your creative idea, your business can kind of swim freely. The red ocean is is red stain from the blood of competition, right? There's just you're battling it out. You're it's a race to the bottom, or you know it's cutthroat and and people are always after you and and it, it's not advisable to do business in the red ocean. And it kind of plays into this idea of like first mover versus second mover advantage, where if you're the first mover in a category, like, you know, for instance, Elon Musk with Tesla, he's sort of the first mover into electric cars. A Prius was there first, but he's, you know, he's, he's one of the first movers. You have no competition. You have white space or you're in the blue ocean. Now, if you're building an electric car, you're in the red ocean. Every single company is building an electric car, right? And in fact, they're trying to outlaw 
gas cars. <laughs> so, you know, and, and make, you know, production on those um, obsolete in 20 years or something like that. I don't know the number. So second mover advantage then is like, well, you get to learn from the mistakes of the first mover, mm-hmm. right? So Naked 1.0 was a first mover company in, in, in the sense, or it was close to being where it was like, we were one of the first movers into premium underwear for men. Everybody was cheap and cheerful at the time, Stanfield, Jockey, Haynes, stuff like that, Calvin. But there wasn't a lot of premium underwear for men. So there was a category that got to be defined. And we helped define that category. And I think in the span of like five years of us launching, like 500 underwear brands launched. (laughs) To show you that, you know, this idea, when you have an idea, realize that somebody else has probably just had that idea mm-hmm. at the same time, because the, there's sort of this universal, almost energetic, I like to say, signaling that something's needed. Mm-hmm. But very rarely are you the first person to, or, you know, or the only person to think of it, right? Lots of people do, but you know, what do you do with that? Do you choose to move on it? Right. And um, this is a long way of saying like the market tailwinds for Naked Revival, which is a new company, like very clearly it's a new company I'm starting. It is not a restart of the old one. There is uh, a lot of the underwear brands went kind of goofy. They, uh, you know, bro jock on the men's side, went very colorful on the print, um, you know, the print offerings. And, And a lot of brands, to be frank, you know, went with a very sort of people pleasing inclusivity at all costs go to market strategy or rebrand into market strategy where they they all kind of looked like each other at the end of the day yeah and that left open this more traditional viewpoint of of sexy and so naked revivals sort of a renaissance of sexy and the brand really looks to be a brand that focuses on the freedom of thinking, you know, not necessarily following the narr- narrative, the mainstream narrative, not necessarily following the, you know, the new orthodoxy, but being, letting the guideposts that guide you be within you, being true to yourself, being committed to truth and having this very sort of abundant, luxurious mindset of, listen, I can create and live any life my want, I want. And experience, you know, all the experiences I want, you know what, I can have those. And it is a very luxurious mindset. It's a very abundant mindset. And so we're, we're tapping into all these ideals that I feel very strongly about. And I'll leave it there for now, because we're going to going to do entire podcasts on this, but you can go check it out at nakedrevival.com or, you know, naked.revival, I think, uh, on social media. And you can start to see the beginnings of it. I write a few blogs about, you know, the state of the world and and my reasons for doing this that are more eloquent than how I just said it now. Mm-hmm. All right. And speaking of, like I want to say, going pro, you, my love, I am I'm hearing in your voice. Uh I so let me actually let me backtrack a little bit. I have given you some shit over our last three podcasts, (laughs) even though you are wise beyond your years. um, And people actually always comment on how much they like hearing you on the podcast. 
that's just a testament to how depth, how much depth of wisdom and knowledge you you have. Um, because I always felt like you were holding back on our podcasts. That's because you know me and you get it all. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> and I'm I'm already seeing it that you're not. Maybe it's this new format of just sitting across from each other <laughs> on the same mic. Um, but there's there's something again, this ties into the Naval Ravikant stuff. And this ties into this question of like, why would you show up on a podcast with me and I would ask you questions mm-hmm. and you would give me what I knew to be not meek isn't the right word, but, 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 a, but a not. An answer with reservation. Well, your answer would always have, yeah, hesitation, reservation. Um, but even, even the tonality, cause you're not nervous on podcast, mm-hmm. but I know, believe me, I know when Jenna is passionate about something <laughs> and wants to give me a piece of her mind about it. And that doesn't mean when she's just mad at me. I mean, like in general, especially like when you talk about the birth world, which is your, you know, one of your worlds. I think it's so spicy. And then, but not when I ask you about it on the podcast. So it's tell me what, what was like, what was going on for you then? And what shifts are you making now? I've been reflecting on this and, and I actually think, Joel suggested we do a podcast because I've been specifically thinking about that lately. I I realized I'm really calculated. I'm very cautious and careful on how I, I guess, how I want to come across, which is possibly a habit that's just dying slowly and hasn't fully left my body. Um, but I like I speak to people in birth that way too. It's not that I'm not honest, but I've learned if I'm speaking about birth specifically, I have a lot of opinions about birth, a lot. And Joel knows them. But if I'm speaking to a birthing family, I'm really sensitive about it. And I don't ever try to inflict what I believe on them. And I don't, like people learn better when they learn themselves. So I can always give people, you know, like, oh, this book is great. Oh, have you heard this podcast? Have you watched this documentary? Have you ever heard about delayed cord clamping or placenta uh placentophagy i think is what it's called eating your placenta that's what's up and then i <laughs> i just pass it slowly across the table and if they're like oh no never i'd be like okay that's cool but i i feel like i've been so hesitant about being blunt like ridiculously blunt about things that i feel are true because I don't want to offend people. And that trickles into a lot of things. Uh, One thing is my family. I feel like how I was called to act and respond in my family was very Britishly proper and quiet and unopinionated and just sort of go with the flow and accept what people say and be obedient. And if I say even that, probably get backlash of, what do you mean obedient? What do you mean we asked you not to have an opinion? But that was always assumed of me. And so now I find that those two expectations I feel I need to fill are coming across in all aspects of my being whenever I'm needing to be professional. But I'm also getting super fiery about it because I want to say more of what I actually am feeling and not calculate it before I speak it. Why? Why do I feel that way? 
because I don't think I'm actually being my honest and authentic self. I think that I'm trying to appear how I think others want to see me. I know, but why did it change? Why did it change? Yeah. Honestly, animism, like learning a lot of what I'm learning uh, has a lot to do with healing yourself and really being authentic with yourself. At the beginning of this podcast, you were talking about what you were saying no to and what you were saying yes to. And one of the biggest teachings that was helpful for me came to my mind about authentic yeses and authentic noes. And when you authentically say no to something, that often means that you're authentically saying yes to something else. And the same goes in reverse. If you're saying authentic yes to something, what does that mean you're saying no to? And sometimes it's like you had where you were saying yes to your business and building it and saying no to podcasts, at least momentarily. Yeah. And part of that, I'm going to interject here. I, it's taking your power back. And I have sort of known this and I'm sort of learning it again, where the idea of where does anxiety come from for me has been heavily rooted in this when I give away my power or I let somebody take away my power, for instance, if I've planned a vacation, this is a very simple example, but it's actually something that's happened year in and year out in our life. And then I let the people in my sort of business world get very frustrated that I've, you know, taken some time completely off and I get anxiety about what are they going to think? Or what am I going to, like, what kind of mess am I going to come back to, right? Because of that, that's me giving my power away to them. That's me saying a decision that I'm making is actually being affected by um, somebody else. Mm -hmm. And that gives me anxiety. Mm -hmm. And this goes towards, you know, speaking your truth. When you're not, you know, the, the antidote to that is being truthful and actually saying what's truthful to you, you know. Alex Hormazi or Hamazi, I apologize if I'm saying his name wrong. You know, he's he's fantastic. And he says, you know, um, a lot of our fear is essentially just the based around the conversations we haven't had. Mm. And when we have that conversation, it is essentially it dissolves that fear. Yeah, I would agree with that. It takes the power back. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And so this idea of speaking your voice or speaking in your authentic voice, speaking truth to yourself or uh, whatever's true for you is a way of taking your power back. And as a result of it, you feel more powerful. Mm -hmm. I guess for myself too, I just didn't even see myself as having power. And mm. a lot of the last few years has shown me how important it is to be centered within my power so that I know my authentic yes and on my authentic no, and I'm not just following what I think others want me to say or do. Yeah. And there, and there's a nuance because like, I like to say, and I like to like thump my chest and say, if it's not a hell yes, it's a no. But at the same time, there are other, other people depend on us in our lives. And we have to, we have to also be willing to meet people where they are and do that sort of compassionately, uh, compassionately, but not in a way that takes away our power, you know, mm -hmm. show up in a relationship, even if that relationship is draining. Yeah. And that's something else that I haven't been very good at until recently is feeling like 
that person depends on me or that person needs something for me. So I'm going to be what they need with abandon to whatever I need Mm -hmm. rather than staying true into my own centered power and knowing that I also need to be true to myself and not just give (laughs) with abandon. (laughs) So how have you learned to do that? How have I learned to do that? Uh, By screwing up a lot and giving away my power and then feeling like garbage because I've done something I didn't want to do. So Uh, then how did you do it right? Do it in a way that felt like right action for yourself. Oh, um, how did you reverse the negative consequences of giving away your power? Right. So I guess I have to paint a picture because uh, it's more detailed than just one answer for me. So I guess what I would do is initially, if somebody asked something of me, and I'm going to be really vague here, I I would get mad if I didn't want to do it, but then do it anyway and go above and beyond and exhaust myself, maybe not sleep, maybe pushing too far, um, and then be upset that I did something and it didn't get the recognition that I wanted from it. Um, and now, because I felt that I had to make a decision really quickly, my anger would be upset that I wasn't given the time that I needed to make the decision. And then I'd be upset that I did it when I didn't want to do it. So now I know what I need and what I need is time to make a decision. Mm -hmm. I need time to be upset if it's something I don't want to do and to weigh the options of what I can give or what I can do, what I'm willing to do and how much of myself I'm willing to give or not give in order to be present Mm -hmm. And if I take the time, I often come around to a place where I can say, okay, I'm available here, or I'm not actually available here, or this is what I'm willing to do and give, but only on this time. And then when I'm able to be true to myself and what I believe I have in me to offer, Mm -hmm. then I feel full and in my power. And then I'm using my voice, even if it makes them upset because it's not what they want. (laughs) And in this way, you train people how to and what to expect from you. And it's not train people. It's not like that word that that doesn't feel like the right word, but in in a way it is, because if I know that you have certain, a certain set of rules that you live by, Mm -hmm. right. That keep your personal power intact, which makes you happier, more present, more groundful, ultimately makes you a, you know, a better person. And because, well, we live together, but like, because I know you, I know what to expect from you, but this doesn't have to just be your, your spouse. That can be your business associates and even your friends. It's like, you have to give them the no's. If they're always inviting you to, let's say the water park and you don't want to go to the fucking water park right? That's just not what you want to do. And yes, you could do it for them, but really what you'd rather do with them is, you know, you'd rather go for a walk. Okay. This is very, very rudimentary. You have to respond with let's go for a walk, you know, (laughs) and, and see if they're willing to meet you at that place so that you're not setting yourself up for failure with that person. Yeah. Right. If you don't want to host Christmas dinner and you keep getting asked to host Christmas fucking dinner, they're going to be frustrated, but it's because you probably haven't set, you know, maybe you did it. You caved a few times and you did it out of the goodness of your heart, which is fine. 
But at the same time, you have to set those expectations and then people will know, hey, listen, I don't, this person's not going to host Christmas dinner, but here's how I choose to, I still choose to be friends with them or I still choose to work with them. And I understand that these are sort of the things that we work around. We don't, we don't, you know, go into those things. Mm -hmm. And, and that's really, really, really hard to do Mm -hmm. uh, because everyone's kind of operating from their mode. And you have to find a way to marry, you know, your mode and their mode together so that it just, it works for the dynamic of that friendship. And that's how you have great lasting friendships. Mm -hmm. I think uh, Christmas dinner strike accord with me because uh, that's one that I struggle with. I like to host, Joel and I like to host, but part of hosting Christmas dinner for my family or for your family feels like an expectation to make it the way that they would want it. And as I study animism and as I step into my own truth of what I want to celebrate <laughs> as my family, I need to not throw their Christmas for them mm-hmm. and invite them to our Christmas and celebrate that. And yeah. if they don't want to come, then this is what it is. Yeah, you're being coy. Right now? Yeah. Why? We'll define what your... But my Christmas is? <laughs> yeah. Well, if I could have it my way, I would have everybody come and help cook and spend the entire day together and play games and go outside for a walk. And it wouldn't be us sitting around a Christmas tree handing out gifts and have a totally fancy time. It would probably be more conversation, burning a Yule log. Low dose of psilocybin and... <laughs> absolutely (laughs) and probably sharing like actual deep conversation Mm. about hopes and dreams and gratefuls and i one thing that's really hard is when people come just to come and then rush out and i don't like that Mm -hmm. i'd rather people not come yeah yeah it's it's hard because everyone's so busy but then it creates this this angst around, well, we got to get from here to there. Right. And it's like, oh, we have to do it this time because so-and-so can't make it otherwise. And I would rather be like, okay, well, this is what we're doing and you can come or not. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to digress here or transition here to, you know, this goes, this goes to the speaking your truth thing and this idea of being a little bit worried that how you want to do something is not how somebody else wants you to do it. And or they might think it's downright weird. So what am I saying? I'm saying You're saying then host it yourself. <laughs> no, no, I'm saying like because because we, you know, we're I wouldn't call us hippies, and I don't even, you know, that's just I'm not trying to label it as anything, but there's no question that we do things a bit differently than some of our family and the rest some, of our family. You know, you know, we're we're a bit weird at times. I think that's something to strive for. (laughs) You stumble, you stumble across the, you know, the, the hardy feather farm backyard at some point. And if it's a certain time of day, you might see me having a naked ice bath. And that's not (laughs) naked as in wearing the underwear. That's naked. And, you know, we're barefoot a lot of the time in the yard and, and we do celebrations for the solstices and the equinoxes and, there is a constant moving towards of the, I don't want to say pagan traditions, but is that the right? Well, word? it kind of is, I guess, but it's an ongoing knowledge and connection to nature. Yeah. 
And this, you know, this kind of pushes us out of very normal <laughs> conversations. And it's like, what did you do? It's like, on the weekend. We dance naked <laughs> around a fire. Which hasn't actually happened, but, you know, not far. From. <laughs> you know, in the other week, we were at the river and Jana had her hearth, which we talk about on the podcast with Angela. What's a hearth again? A hearth is a bundle that has supportive stones called Leah in it that help me to stay true to my center and claim my power. Yeah. And we're doing a a little ceremony. It's, it's very um, unassuming. It's not like you can really see what we're doing. But what I found actually is like if we tell the girls, OK, we're going to do this ceremony, we'll get, oh, I don't want to do it. But if I just surprise them and I start, then they always jump in. So that's what happened. Yeah. I brought a little smudging stick and we all said what we were grateful for in for our, summer. our yeah. summer. Yeah. Kind of as a farewell to summer. Mm-hmm. And uh we sent our blessings and sent it off down the river. But little did Jenna know, because she was very in it, was that, <laughs> you know, there was there was definitely some people on the beach wondering what the fuck we were doing. For sure. Like, like I know I, I was watching them and they were watching us. I was not watching them. And, uh, and I was like, yeah, we're weird. <laughs> you know, we're weird and we love it. And we don't get every, we don't get, it's not, we don't always make things easy on ourselves because we try and, we romanticize this idea of, of living a certain way and doing things a certain way. And, you know, I, I, I piss off my, my business colleagues sometimes. Cause my, you know, you guys are always in tow or not always, but you're in tow a lot. You know, when we're Joel, Joel was on a call this morning and the person who's on the call said, Oh, you're spending a little time with your family. And I went, because <laughs> <laughs> we're literally always together unless Joel's like I really need to take this call in private he doesn't have kids clearly <laughs> <laughs> but he's a sweet sweet man oh fuck where was I going with that I said we were weird and someone was watching okay, us. okay yeah so this idea th- this idea of being found out oh, yes. is where I wanted to go with this so we we did a ceremony not so long ago and it was again it was sort of an end of the summer thing it was a couple thing and I'm not going to get into the ceremony too much. Janet can talk a little bit about that. But we we did take psilocybin with an animist, and it was it was a very very rich and beautiful ceremony. And a lot of what came to me during that ceremony was not living a life where you're afraid of being found out for who you are. Mm. And we just spent three years. Well, maybe me more so. Just spent three years not wanting to be found out for my views on the pandemic and the status of my vaccination and different things like that. And the world at large has created disincentive for being found out, like disincentive being you're fucking canceled. Mm-hmm. You have you no longer have the right to work your job if you do not adhere to the orthodoxy the, the sort of the, the rules that are being presented by the governments and, and you know, the mainstream media, et cetera, not that the mainstream media is presenting rules, but you get the spirit of what I'm saying, you know, you, you might as well be a heretic, a leper. And that was incredibly hard. It was incredibly hard to live this half truth of like hoping that God forbid it ever came up in conversation. Mm-hmm the status of your vaccination, because it's 
it's not a conversation you want to have, right? Well, only because of how people treat you when mm-hmm. you say it. Exactly. And the thing I'm I'm getting at is like beyond that. So forget whether or not, you know, forget your politics for a, a second. For, forget your your uh, pharmaceutical company of choice. Forget any of that. Just how you want to live your life and and the things that you've done in your life that you regret or you're ashamed of. And they become, you know, stuffed down kind of into the shadow to borrow a Jungian term. And you're terrified of being found out because you're terrified of the rejection that society or your friends are going to give you or your family are going to show you. But don't you find that the more you're rejected, the less you care? Not at first. I think that that comes with maturity and that comes with integrating that rejection into into the healing of those wounds like as uh, what i mean is that using that rejection as a way to then say no i understand that that person is rejecting me because of how like they are operating from who they are and their own life experience and i need to double down on myself and stop living for them and so at first i think rejection creates insecurity Mm. and it creates more of this behavior of trying to skirt around the issues and the things that you like. But then eventually when you, when you integrate it all, you, I think you're right. You then stop to, you you then stop caring. And then, then you realize that, well, either I don't want to be around those people. I don't have to be around those people. There's nothing keeping me in that relationship. And as we said, but we can find a way to do things on, you know, our own terms, like, we can still hang out, but this is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And it's, I guess the point is, is it's, it's very freeing to begin to adopt this. I don't care about being found out mentality. I am who I am, warts and all, and take me or leave me. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not, it's not like a, it's not like a, my back's against the wall. I'm going to punch my way out of here. F the world, the world's against me mentality. It's just freeing yourself from all the labels of, you know, what society expects of you or how you think you should show up in society, which brings me to what I said about going pro and back to you and you finding your voice is you have seemed to care less about being found out about your animist path Mm -hmm. and maybe you can talk a little bit about that and why and why in the first place it was a closet like a a, not not a closeted secret but it was at least a little bit like i don't know if i'm going to bring this up at christmas that i'm Mm -hmm. trained to be an animist right well i think i already sort of expressed why it was hidden i just was worried about how other people viewed me or if i wasn't going to be accepted or if I wasn't celebrating something the way that someone else had expected me to. But beyond celebration, I don't want to not be myself anymore. And who myself is, is that romanticized idea of walking barefoot through our yard and growing my food and being connected to nature and out in it all the time and being grateful for it and teaching my daughters how to know their body by following rhythms and cycles of nature and literally the best teacher in the world is nature 
And I don't want to fully participate in a society that is only focused on production and being productive and moving and pushing and showing what you've produced. I want to follow the rhythms of nature. I want to rest. I want to create. I want to dream. I want to go and be busy and on fire. I want to reflect. And I want to follow those rhythms, which are the rhythms of animism, all the days of my life. And any time that I am submersing myself in it and being free and not caring about how I'm viewed in it, the more I feel free to do so and the more I feel like myself and the more freedom our girls have to be free in themselves, not living for other people's expectations. But I mean, I do think that there's a level of understanding and being open and respecting of other people and their beliefs, but that doesn't mean that you have to stop doing yours, which is what I was doing. You mean you're not going to be the Jehovah's Witnesses that come to our home? (laughs) You being the one that goes to other people. Sweet. So there's this this elderly couple that comes to our house. Uh, They were coming a lot for a while. And I would have very nonchalant, generic conversations about how I think conversations are good and how I don't mind talking about this stuff. But I think I was leading them on because they kept coming back. And I had eventually said, I do not plan on becoming a Jehovah Witness. And they said, that's fine. And they continued to come. So I think now I have to be like, hey, this is what I am. (laughs) Scared the pants off them a bit. (laughs) Not that I don't want them to come, but I just want them to know I don't plan on becoming a Jehovah Witness. (laughs) Well, I had I had suggested that she do a trade. Oh yeah, because <laughs> they they were inviting her to um, Bible study. Bible study, that's what it was. And, yeah. and I said, well, you go to Bible study in exchange. They come to a medicine sample, <laughs> take some psilocybin with you, and uh, you know, dance naked. And it's not like that, but no, <laughs> it's not, no. It's but funny. I think the trade is is a funny a funny offering because. If they were truly open, as they say they would, that shouldn't be an issue. No. But we know not. <laughs> <laughs> so you you mentioned crossing the threshold. I did. Talk to me about that. In alignment with the phone conversation that we started with, I think a threshold is a beautiful example for this time of year. So, oh, baby's awake. Baby's awake. Threshold. So what we're going to do is pause for a second here, and then we're going to breastfeed and finish up our conversation. All right, we're back here. Breastfeeding. So we are not breastfeeding. You are breastfeeding. I am breastfeeding. <laughs> Archer. Archer. Yeah, that's and, our truth. And we, uh, we'll talk about crossing the threshold, and then we'll sum it up because this won't last. <laughs> right. Okay, so threshold. My thought on that was autumn. As we step into autumn from summer, it is the perfect example of threshold and what I want to do. So summer, the season of fire, is kind of what it's like to raise kids. You're busy all the time, pulled in all directions. You're producing your, if you were to relate it to the garden, everything is growing. Everything is making fruit. It is busy time. And as we step over the threshold into autumn... We are reflecting upon the year, how we created our life to be, or our garden, if you want to talk about farming, what we liked that we did, what we weren't proud of that we did, what we'd want to do differently, 
what we want to bring with us, what we want to leave behind. And that's where I'm at because I can no longer go back to who I was before. Anything that I no longer want to be a part of my life, I need to let go of, let fall to the side, and embrace how I want to live my life authentically. So animism for me isn't about hiding the parts of myself that I don't think are acceptable. It is about embracing them, saying yes to them, because I feel better when I do. And everything that I am learning and everything that I am practicing, it just makes me feel more like myself and more centered in myself and more of what I want to include in my life, what brings me peace, what reminds me of what it means to be human and to live here. Mm -hmm. And it keeps me present. It keeps me centered. And it keeps me doing all the things with full presence as I want to. Mm -hmm. this, is, this is a really interesting point because when you talk about leaving behind, that, that really ties in and almost sums up a lot of what this conversation is about has been about, where there will undoubtedly be things and people left behind, things that we used to do, people that we used to see, and this is this is just a part of life and that's that's kind of obvious but it's not so obvious in the sense that that is part of the choices that we're making and when we're ready to step into new energy new projects some people may not be interested in coming along for that ride and their season in your life will be coming to a close at least for now so I like to think of this in terms of, you know, I love crossing the threshold. Another way of looking at it is going pro. When you go pro in anything that you're doing, the, the level of commitment that you're bringing, like, what does that mean? It means a huge commitment. It means, it means a lot of sacrifice. And if you had people who had needy energy in your life, you know, they not might not be willing to to have less of you, right? If you no longer can go out for drinks a couple of nights a week, or you no longer want to, because that doesn't serve you anymore. That's not part of what you're doing. And that doesn't, you know, that doesn't it's just is of no interest. Those people will begin to fade out. And if you're stepping into things like animism, like you're doing a lot of healing work, um, and it's a lot of people think it's woo-woo. A lot of th people think it's crazy and absurd and they, they want nothing to do with it. It was framed to us recently, you know, when we when we mentioned it in a conversation, oh, so you're doing drugs. Did I have that right? And it's like, obviously, you don't get it. And obviously, you're no longer going to be the type of person we talk to about these things. And that's okay. Because there's a lot of people who would never think of it that way and are so curious and and want to and want to know, you know, where this path is is leading for you. And again, that's 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 on the healing work and what you're talking about with animism, but it's also on the professional side, um, in terms of you know how serious you're taking your projects and where you're trying to go with that. To, it's on the life choices side of things. We talked about vaccination status and we talked about you know the great cleavage that's happened in the world today. 
has divided people in a terrible way. And unfortunately, that division is just being perpetuated and doubled down on. But you're going to leave people behind by choosing certain things for your life, for your body, for your children that other people don't agree with. And that is the hard choice you make when you decide to cross the threshold or go pro and start to pursue these things in your life in a very intentional way that other people just aren't ready for, don't want, have no interest in, and that's okay. So that's my uh, my rant on riff on what you said. Do you want to add anything? <laughs> Uh, well, I had a quip, but the microphone was closer to you at the point, so <laughs> it wouldn't make sense to say it now. Fair enough. Why don't we leave it there? We were fortunate enough to get more out of this conversation than we thought we were going to in terms of <laughs> in terms of a nap. Um, thank you, Jovi. Thank you, sweetheart. <laughs> She's smiling. <laughs> and it turned out to be a nice conversation, not just a rambling update on a few things. So thank you for those that um, stuck with us through those updates and uh, hung out until we got into the meat of it. And we will be back. I said, the podcast is not going away. It just needed to be a no for a period of time and things are being reorganized and refined. And I'm really excited to get into a, a better cadence with lots of interesting conversations, both with you, me, <laughs> And others. Yes. And happy fall equinox. Happy fall equinox. As we reflect. Dance naked. <laughs> <laughs> Stay warm. <laughs> As always, thanks so much for listening to The Ramble. We know there is a lot of podcasts out there. So we thank you for choosing to listen all the way through on this one. You know, we want to be part of the, the solution, the, the good questions, the things that move you and inspire you make you want to connect deeper with yourself and others you know all that great stuff so if the spirit does move you subscribe share post anything we'd be forever grateful and if you have any comments or feedback good bad ugly it doesn't matter we're here to listen guests you think we should have on of course send them along thank you and until next time peace hey thanks so much for making it to the end of the podcast i know that my self and of course my guests really appreciate you listening all the way through you know, they put a lot of time into their projects and their ideas and and you know, they're very thoughtful with how they they bring themselves and show up on the show and so i'm really grateful that uh, that you've listened all the way through you know we don't have ads on the show i think i don't think red circles running ads but i wanted to take just a quick second to say that hey if the spirit moves you you know this podcast can be brought to you by some of the wild, fun, wacky, creative things I do. I always try and stay in the practice of creativity, whether that's writing or working on films or uh, just about anything. I, I try and be very diligent that I'm I'm doing it consistently. And so, you know, as a result of that, I put some things out and, and I'd love for you to check them out. You know, one is uh, Getting Naked, The Bare Necessities of Entrepreneurship and Startups. That's my book and you can get it anywhere where books are sold online like Amazon or Barnes and Nobles or Indigo. And uh, it's the story of my company, Naked Underwear, the first company I started that went from a failed attempt on Dragon's Den, um, your, that's your Shark Tank in America, to the NASDAQ and was eventually divested. And it has a ton of 
tips and ideas for startups, very practical advice, but it's always also interwoven with my own story, which I think entrepreneurs and creatives and artists can really, uh, would really relate to, uh, you know, it has almost 155-ish star, four and a half star reviews. And I think people, if you're going through, you know, a startup, need some motivation, need some ideas, just want to feel like, hey, there's a kindred spirit out there, you know, it's a great book to check out. Also, you can check out my blog at joelprimus.com forward slash blog, where I write a couple of blogs a month about a variety of topics, a lot of stuff on fitness, things like how to know when to quit, a lot of personal development, psychedelics, all kinds of things. Everything's written from a personal lens. And, uh, you know, it's just a great way to digest a little bit of hopefully fun and helpful inspiration. And of course, keep checking out this podcast, The Ramble on the Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever your podcatcher of choice is. Thanks again, and have an awesome day, week, month, whatever it is.